If you have a Bible, you want to turn to Matthew 6. I'm going to attempt to set this up so I don't block the screen. Um, I want to help us uh, see a few things about prayer today. Um, We've been talking for, I guess it's almost two months now on the topic of prayer, have we not? Okay, and you're like, okay, we get the picture, we get the point of what's going on, how many more sermons can we do on prayer? I mean, we could probably go the rest of the year on the topic and probably um, would need to. Um, but today, um, I want to I wanna help us see uh, the other side of prayer. Um, so for the past several um, weeks. Um, ben, throw that slide up on the screen. We've talked through several different things on the topic of prayer. Um, we've basically, uh, uh, Rick and I have been casting this vision for us to, to pray this year. Um, and we've been talking about um, prayer from a stand, standpoint of, of devotion to God and pressing more deeply into the things of the Lord. Um, talked a week on fasting and that being um, a way to press into the Lord. Um, we talked through and came up with a booklet on the Psalms and how to pray through the Psalms and how to really experience God in the Psalms. Um, and we've talked through this realization of our deep need for God, Right? If you, if you feel like that's kind of been the drum we've been beating, um, and hopefully will continue to beat, um, but Rick last week talked about prayer's connection to the gospel, okay, um, and how uh, we as a people are helpless, we're sinful human beings, um, but there's a loving father, an accepting father, so I want to review that, and I want to um, depict something up here on this whiteboard. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to do much drawing. Um, I'll stick with shapes and words. Um, I think I'm safe there. Um, but, but what I want to do, um, for some of you that have hung out with me in more formal um, discipleship settings, this will seem somewhat familiar. Um, but I want to look at uh, the, the kingdom of God um, in light of prayer. Um, and so... One of the things that I think will be helpful is thinking about it in, in two realms. And the first one is going to really be review of all that we've done here. Um, and it's this idea of, uh, of covenant. Okay. Um, Mike, if I misspell anything, um, feel free to edit for me. Um, we talk at North Church all the time about covenant. Okay, covenant being this, this idea of relationship. Okay, and I, and I put these in your bulletin um, if you want to fill it in. If that's helpful, if it's not, um, just follow along up here. But we talk all the time about um, covenant relationship, relationship with God. And here's, here's what covenant is. Let me just depict um, what covenant isn't first, and then that'll help us understand what it is. So, um, Marriage in our world today is like when it quits working, um, I'm just out. Or when you treat me wrong or um, cheat on me, like, done. Forgiveness, no thanks, uh, we're done, okay? Um, The problem with that being the perspective of a Christian is God has covenanted himself with us through the work of his Son, okay, to where we adulterate our relationship with Jesus all the time, right? Right? But he never divorces himself from us. 
Okay, that's the picture of a covenant-loving God. Okay, um, Matthew 6. Um, it's the, the Lord's Prayer, okay? Um, the very beginning of it, the, the first verse says, Pray like this, um, our Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay? Um, the, the covenant relationship begins with this idea that God is Father. Okay? It's paramount that we see at the, the first and foremost, at the beginning, God is, is Father. Okay, Rick depicted that last week when he talked about um, a, a loving Father, and maybe even some of your struggles, maybe not having a loving Father, and so the, the inability to, to see God as that, and maybe hopefully God's taking you on this journey of seeing Him as a, as a Father. But what is a Father? Someone who cares for you, someone who cares for His children. Um, the, the image that I get in my head is like God calling you up onto his lap and just wrapping his arms around you and holding you, okay? But from, from all of us, for all of us, um, from our Father, we have an identity. We have an identity, Okay, I'm just reviewing at this point. Um, we, we have an identity that, that God the Father set his love on us through the means of what? Grace. He's given grace to us, and he's given this, this, us this identity, okay, that's marked by who my dad is. Okay, let me, let me give you an illustration of this. So a couple weeks ago, my car broke down, okay? Um, power steering went out, um, and so I chose not to attempt to drive it to the dealership, because that would have been interesting. Um, I could hardly turn it out of my driveway. So I was like, you know what, I need to call a tow truck, have this thing figured out. So I pulled out my trusty AAA card, and um, I call them up, and I tell them the problem, and I need to have it towed, and uh, she's like, well, um, all right, Mr. Kuntz, um, since you are a plus member of the AAA club, we um, will offer you the service of towing your vehicle up to 100 miles away per um, breakdown, and we'll take it to the, uh, the dealership of your choice. Um, we're also willing to, to recommend any AAA specialty dealerships if you're interested, um, but since you are a plus member, we can take care of you today. Um, and just let us know where you'd like to take it, and blah, 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 blah. And she just goes on and on and on about all the perks like being a plus member, and, blah, and I was like, Plus, remember? Triple A? Okay, so I'm on my dad's account. Okay, I have a triple A card um, because my dad has put me, put his kid, he wants his kids to have triple A cards in their wallets. Okay, so, so here, here's the deal. I've done nothing in and of myself to earn the status, to earn the identity that warrants plus membership other than the fact that it's been granted by my father. Do you you follow that? Like that's that's what identity means. Okay, That, that who we are is shaped by who our father is and he grants that freely by grace. Okay, and then, for us, what does that do? It leads us to obey. 
It leads us to obey. Okay? And we talk all the time that our that the love of the Father is what gets us to the place of obeying, okay? Because the danger for us is this, that we would try to obey in such a way to get to the Father. Okay, that's the wrong way. What, what do we call that? That's not, law, not grace, but law, right? Okay, that's legalism. It's I'm going to obey. I obey, therefore I'm accepted. Okay, so it's like I um, am going to try to work out my salvation in the, the realm of praying, in the hopes that the Father will accept me. Okay, who's, who's the character that depicts this the best in the scriptures? We talk about it all the time. The older brother, story of the prodigal son, right? The older brother's the one who um, sought to obey to get to the Father, as opposed to the calling of God on our lives to see he's the Father who's covenanted himself to us by his grace, given us an identity, and out of that identity, we walk in obedience, we walk in prayer. We don't pray to get to the Father. As if that's the means by which he accepts us. Okay? Now, for us... There's a danger that that we could see all that we've done here in these two months in the realm of this right here. God's love for me, God's covenant himself to me, go and press into him, right? Devote yourself to him. He loves you. You need him. You have no identity outside the grace given by the Father, right? That's, That's how we've talked about prayer Okay, but what I want to help us do this morning is make sure we, we have a holistic view of prayer. That we see the, the other side of prayer because we can, if we're not careful, we can make prayer just about us. Our relationship with God. Okay? Look down in your Bible, Matthew 6, beginning at verse 10. What does it say? It starts, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to talk for a second about kingdom. Okay? Um, The Bible uses this word all the time. This idea of the kingdom of God. Um, Look at this passage on the screen. Describing salvation, John chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Jesus answered him, talking to... Anybody know? John 3, who's the story about? What quiz? Nicodemus, very good. Um, Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and he says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless born, one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So salvation, this call into salvation, is a call into what the Bible describes as the kingdom of God. Okay? Later on in Matthew 6, It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. So what in the heck is the kingdom of God? If we go back to the beginning in the Garden of Eden, we know that sin brought brokenness in the world. Okay, That God established his rule and his reign, and man, in his willful disobedience, broke the the shalom, the perfection that, that God had, and sin and life, and everything is broken. And so the kingdom of God is, is this idea of God establishing peace in our hearts, the rule and the reign of, of his 
name of his son in our hearts and in the hearts of everyone across the face of the earth. Okay, so the idea of the kingdom is this idea of, of representation. So follow me here a sec. Okay, um, we know that um, every single kingdom has a what? Anybody? Be helpful? Be helpful to have a king ruling over the king. Okay, so this kingdom has a king. Okay, how do we know that? Revelation, uh, uh, there's several passages, but Revelation 19.16 is one I'll go to. It says this, describing Jesus. Um, and I've heard people um, argue that this is a biblical um, reasoning for getting a tattoo, although we should also have swords flying out of our heads and have three heads if we're going to stick to that argumentation. Anyway, Revelation 19.16 says this, On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So I totally lost some of you to the whole thing I just said a second ago. Anyway, ignore what I just said a second ago about the three heads and the sword flying out of your head or what, the, never mind. Um, so this idea of the kingdom of God, okay, there's a king, okay? And the Bible says, and we know it well, that this king, Jesus, is bigger and better than any other king that we could argue for, that he's better than any president, any ruler that's ever walked the face of the earth. This, the scripture says that he's the king of kings, okay? And the Bible calls us not only in a covenant relationship with the Father, but calls us to live out as a representation of the kingdom of God. That we're, as God's people, representatives. We represent the kingdom. Okay, so God is not just this loving father. He's also a ruling, reigning, authoritative king. Okay, you, you've, you've, you've seen this in your house growing up, right? Okay, there's times when dad is, and that guy you love, and hugs you and loves the mess out of you. And there's times when he's got to put his foot down, and he's got to establish authority, and set rules. Okay, but those two things coexist. Okay, so part of this image that we're getting to on the other side of prayer is beginning to not only go to the Father and jump up in his lap and, and bask in his love, but also go to the Father like a knight would go to a king saying, Master, what does it look like for me to represent you today? What does it look like for me to be about your kingdom and to work for you today? Because here, here's, here's the amazing thing about God as king in the person of Jesus. When we think of a king, we could go to numerous places in the Bible where a king is what? This evil tyrant that pours down his authority over you. But the amazing thing about God is he's He's not that. Because here's what he does. He gives us, in the kingdom of God, authority. He delegates his authority to us. So when we represent him in the world, when we live out our identity as sons and daughters of the Father... 
He calls us to represent him, and he gives us authority. Okay, well, let me give you some examples. Um, the first one that should pop in your mind is the most famous one, Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now I'm going to give it to you. He's delegating authority. Go. Go make disciples of all nations. Okay? And, and the authority by which you go and make disciples of all nations is there is a God in heaven. God the Father, there is a Son who came to the earth. God the Son. And there is my living spirit who's in you. Okay? So we have authority from the, the king, from him to go out. Now, Matthew 16 puts it this way. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. This basically means Simon, son of Jonah, talking about Peter. He says, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Okay, so check, check out what he says. He's depicting the imagery of the Father. He says, Flesh and blood hasn't revealed to you, but my Father. So there's a Father who's in heaven. That was established in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. And that Father is giving Peter the, the identity, but not only that, the authority. So there's a direct connection between our identity and the authority that we have from the Father. It says this, And I tell you, you're Peter. Just picture that. Picture Jesus speaking these words, like you are Peter, like you're mine. I give you the identity that you have. I'm giving you the authority. And here's what I want you to do with that authority. I'm going to build my church. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when you stand in authority, you're standing against the gates of hell. Now look at 19, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, keys, what do they represent? Access, authority, power. Okay, so... When you go to your house, there's a whole lot more that gives you authority over your house than just the key, right? But, but the key is what gives you access into the house. It gives you authority. When you walk up to your car, you have the authority to get into, your, into the car because you have the key. Keys represent authority. Um, scribes in their ordination services would be given a key to represent authority from God, given from God to represent Him. In advancing the rule and reign of God in the hearts of man and in the world. Luke ten nineteen puts it this way. Behold, I've given you authority. I just love this. This is Jesus talking to his apostles. He says, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Okay, I want you to think about times when you get discouraged. Okay, go there for a second. What's a time that you've gotten discouraged? Maybe you're like, I don't have to go there. I'm like, here, I've been here since I woke up this morning. Okay, that discouragement is directly from one person. His name is Satan. Okay. 
and that discouragement that I sit in all the time, here's what it is. It's a failure to recognize my identity that pushes me to believe God in prayer. Okay? And that I, as a covenanted son of the, of the Father, am given authority from Him to stand against discouragement. To rise up, to, to sing. Like I just, like I was just sitting back here, standing back here singing, and I just felt this discouragement. And I just felt like God was saying like, He's like, sing it like boldly. Stand in the authority you have from King Jesus. It's amazing how often I just let the enemy, you can ask Danielle, how often I just let the enemy just like beat me up. She's like, what's wrong with you? Like, you were great a second ago. I was like, I don't know. Leave me alone. And I just sit in the weight of like, Forget, forgetting of my identity and the authority that I have from the Father. Now, um, I should have invited my dad because I'm going to talk about him a lot. So, um, uh, many of you that know my dad know that he's a very successful businessman, um, owns several subways and has uh, several rental properties. And, um, and uh, well, so he's an incredible networker. So, like, if you want to know who to call to fix something, we're like, Steve Coons has got, like, seven different options in, in, his, in his phone. He might not know how to open them to get, him, to get you the number, but I can help him with that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, he would have laughed at that, too. Um, so, we were into our house, and we put a new kitchen in our house, and um, we went through one of my dad's contacts for this new kitchen, a place called ProSource in Earth City. And, uh, and so my dad's done business with, a lot of business with them. Um, so we get, we get the delivery um, for our kitchen, um, and the new cabinets and, and whatnot, and it's sitting in our living room. And my contractor who installed it all um, calls me. I'm working at Subway that day, and he calls me, and he's like, we got a problem. Awesome. What now? Um, he's like, uh, we're missing one of the filler boards. Um, and basically, it's the board that connects one cabinet to the other that, that makes it look like one unit, okay? It's like a decoy board or whatever. Um, he's like, we're missing one. He's like, and I can't do anything without that. I can't even start. Because it's one of the first places I have to begin before I start, um, start to putting them together. And so um, I'm like, well, I can't really do anything now. He's like, why don't you give me their number? I'm like, I don't mind calling them. And so I, I give... I said, you know, here's the lady's name. She's the senior designer. Um, Steve Koontz also works with the senior designer. She, he's the, she's the senior designer. Like, she'll help you out. So um, he, he calls me back, and he's like, well, um, good news and bad news. Um, good news is they're going to send it out. Bad news, bad news is, is it's going to take seven to ten days. It's like seven to ten days. He's like, yeah, like, I was pretty upset. Like, it's going to, like, really hold the job back, and it's their fault, and they should expedite it, and blah, 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 blah. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, okay. Um, I'll call you back. So I got the phone and I do what any, you know, good son would do. Dad. Hey, Dad. You know that great company you um, do a lot of business with? So here's the deal. And so he's like, hold on, I'll, uh, let me call you back. So, um, so I got off the phone and he calls him back and he's like, 
It'll be there in two to three days. Just like, how do you do that? So he called, and he got him to expedite it. I don't know. I don't know how he works his magic, okay? But, but listen, like, so anytime I go in there, anytime I, I work, I'm, I'm sure to, I make sure to make it a point that I'm the son of Steve Koontz. Oh, Steve, yeah. Come right over here. Would you like some coffee? Like, okay, so there's a sense where I have authority because of who my father is. Okay, now we've seen this go bad. Let me give you an example of this going bad. Um, another example that happened uh, this weekend um, that I think you will thoroughly enjoy is, uh, so my dad, you, you know, broke his neck a while back, and so I borrowed his truck this past um, weekend. They were on a cruise, um, not the one that had the cabin fire, but um, thank the Lord. And uh, so I borrowed his truck, and uh, I was trying to work some magic for Valentine's Day for Danielle, and um, I was running a little late, and I had to run into Target, and I was trying to catch her before she left work, and I, and I go to park, and I'm like, he's got a handicap sign. It's like, oh, I, gotta, I don't know. I, I, I feel awful bad. Like, I'm going to see the old lady in the back. Like, can't even, you know, I took her spot, and I'm like, but, I, but I'm in a hurry. So, so I hang it up, and I, I pull into the handicap spot, and, and I got, it's a big truck, so I get in crooked, so I back up, and then the whole time this lady is like waiting, because it's a big truck, and it's taking up the whole aisle, and she can't get there. She's waiting. So I park, and I go to get out, and I'm like, I'm supposed to be handicapped. <laughs> and so, so in my mind, okay, I got, I, without thinking, I was just like, <laughs> and so I started limping to, to depict that I was... <laughs> using the authority that had been rightfully given to me. No. Okay, there's an example of abusing authority. Okay, so the authority of that sign that my dad has because he broke his neck um, to use that spot. Okay, we've seen authority abused. Okay, silly illustration of authority abused. We've seen it on TV. We've seen people stand up in this type of setting and proclaim things that shouldn't be proclaimed and demand things that shouldn't be demanded and in the name of Jesus do things that isn't in the name of Jesus. Okay? But we have an authority that comes from the Father and if we don't understand our identity, we'll never apprehend our authority and it'll never lead us outside of selfish praying. Never. Let me give you an example. Acts chapter 4. Um, powerful example. If you want to go there, it'll also be on the screen. Acts 4, 29. Um, here's what's happening in, in Acts 4. You have the apostles that are seeking to advance the gospel, and they're under a severe persecution. And so what they do um, is they begin to experience threats, and they press on, and uh, all of a sudden, in, in the midst of those threats, they begin praying. And listen to their prayers. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats. Now, how would you pray? I know how I would pray. And and get rid of them. God, they're all over us. Would you relieve us of this? Get those threats away. Okay. Not that that's necessarily a bad prayer. But listen to how they 
think kingdom-minded in the way they pray. Look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Okay, so they're like, we're standing in boldness here. The threats are coming and we're not going to pray against them. We're going to pray that we could be bold in the midst of them because, verse 30, while you stretch out your hand and heal and signs and wonders are performed throughout the name or through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They didn't pray against the threats. They prayed that, that what they were enduring would be the means of God advancing his name and his kingdom. And why? Like, how can you do that? Like, why wouldn't you pray, like, God, relieve me of this? Listen, they were set in their identity, which allowed them to rest in the authority that God had given them, to not be wavering, to not be easily pushed down, to not be easily discouraged. Man, when we just quit, do you know that's failure to walk in the authoritative power that we have from God? When we just quit. When we don't stand up for one another, when we don't stand up against sin, okay, and we fail to walk out the power of God in our lives. And maybe you're here and you're just like, I'm void of power. Like, like I don't have any ability to stand up against sin. The problem is, is that we're, we're, we're self-focused, but we don't know our identity, which shapes the reality of we, our identity is marked by the, the fact that we represent the king who stands in the heavens and delegates his authority to us, and we have the authority to stand against the enemy together. Like, I love how we do this. Together, we stand against the enemy. We have the authority to speak. Like, that's not you. Do not give in to sin. Press into Christ. Do not give in to unbelief. Press into Christ. These conversations need to happen and happen all the time. If we're going to stand in the power that God's given us. The problem, though, is what we tend to do is... We tend to, to, to rest in this, like, I can show off to God if I can muster up this power, like, to, to impress the king in the same way that we muster up the ability to obey as if to get to the Father. And so the way that the, the Gospels talk about it is lofty words, okay? Empty phrases, we speak up to God as if to impress him. But maybe you've prayed for some time for something and God has said no. Does that happen to anybody? You pray and you pray and you pray and God's like, uh-uh. Doesn't that stink? <laughs> and then you wish you could get into God's head and figure out what's going on, why he would say no. Maybe it's because the prayer is self-serving. Maybe it's because the prayer is based in just you and your relationship with God. And maybe um, for me, a lot of times, my prayers that God says no to is because it's really a just a means like the apostles to 
Remove the threats. Remove the difficulty. And maybe our prayers lack a focus on God's doing a work here bigger than me and my circumstances and what's going on in my world. Or maybe God's means of advancing his kingdom is through the ability to us to stand in authority in the midst of what we're praying against. What he wants, what we want him to remove from our lives. I love this passage in Luke 24. Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Who's he talking about? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who, who God sent down to, to give authority and the means by which we walk in power. So the power you have against the enemy is the power that's granted through the, the Spirit in you. The church misses this. We're going to talk at length next month about this idea of the Holy Spirit. But the other side of prayer is this. It's not that there's two ways to pray. Okay? But these are interconnected. So when you pray for things that are going on in your life and in your world, are you, am I thinking about the fact that it's just bigger than my relationship with God? It's just bigger about God's love for me. Okay? Not that I ever want to speak against or you know, push away the thought of God's love. There's also a kingdom that God is advancing. And he's calling us to represent him and stand in authority and power. And he's calling us to pray more holistically. Um, let, me, let me share a quote with you that I wrestled with this week and really came to the conclusion that I didn't really believe it. It's by a guy named Frederick Buckner. A theologian, pastor, um, still alive today. He says this, The place that God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. The place where God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Okay, so think about it from the standpoint of God's kingdom. Because for me, like I'll be honest, like the place that God's called me isn't always like, woohoo, smile on my face. And you know what that's like? You know things God's called you to, and there's not always a smile on your face? Like, I don't really want to do this today. But for many of us, we have to realize that there's not a disconnect between what God's doing in us and what he wants to do in the world. Let me say that again. There's not a disconnect between what God is doing in us and what he wants to do in the world. Okay, so our prayers that, are, that, that begin out like we love because he first loved us, so we run to him because of the identity that he's given us, okay? And so what he's doing in us based out of his love is, is shaped by that. And what God's doing in us is the very thing he wants to do in the world. Okay? Um, so let's make this really practical because you're like, oh, I'm not following you. Okay, so let's talk. What's God doing in you? 
Um, let me share mine. Friday night, Danielle and I went out uh, for um, Valentine's Day. We celebrated 13 years that we've been together um, since we started dating. Don't laugh. You can still do that. Um, celebrate that anyway. Um, and so uh, we went out, and so um, we believe that God's calling us to adoption. And so now that we're in our house, we're beginning to talk very seriously about what that looks like. And um, so that's kind of what God's doing in us. And so as we've wrestled with this, uh, we, we're talking, and we, our heart and our desire is that we would um, adopt minority siblings. Um, we're praying through international versus domestic, and so we're sitting there, and we're like, I just said, babe, can, can you picture what it's going to be like to have four kids running around the house? And then I, like, started to panic. Like, uh, I don't know that we're called to this anymore. <laughs> okay, but then we just very quickly reminded each other that, like, God's calling comes with God's supply. Okay, so, and, and not to mention that, like, adoption, like, the need to adopt is massive. And the biblical calling to, to, to visit the orphan is all over the scriptures, and God will supply that. So the very thing that he's doing in us is the thing that he wants, to, the way he wants to advance his kingdom in the world. Do you follow that? Okay, let me give you another example. So um, one of the things that when we bought our house, we prayed through a ton is the opportunity to, to let somebody live there and invest in them from a discipleship standpoint. And so we've wrestled with um, what that looks like and um, the possibility of setting up our basement in such a way where there's an apartment. And um, at, at the same time, um, God's blessed Danielle and um, her gift to, to train. And so um, oh, we also have a gym in our basement. And she trains several people a week. And so we're wrestling with, like, well, do we let somebody live there? Or do we, like, take advantage of this opportunity for her to train? And, like, it hit us this week that, like, those aren't, those aren't disconnected. Like, because the conversations, and some of you are involved in this, the conversations that she has while you're doing skull crushers, okay, are very much spiritual conversations. Like, you're going to die today? Do you know Jesus? No. Um, but no, like, the means by which she's discipling people, and we have a couple that she's been training for several months now that... Um, that have asked me to marry them, and we've been investing in them, and we've been um, doing marriage counseling with them. And, and so, like, this, the heart that God's given us to, to disciple is the very thing he wants to do and the very means by which he wants to advance his kingdom. Okay, do, do you follow where I'm going? What I'm trying to accomplish here? The place where God calls you is the place where your deep gladness, maybe not in the thick of it, when you back up, you will see this is where joy is. And this is where the kingdom of God collide. So let me just unpack a few examples maybe you can resonate with. Maybe you're in business. And for you, you're around people that the pursuit is money. And the pursuit is climbing the corporate ladder. Okay, that's one side of it. Or maybe it's the, I hate my job, um, I can't, it's Monday, doggone it, I wish it was Friday. Um, it's those two extremes. So listen, as a kingdom representative, you speak 
purpose and life into those extremes. Okay, not that climbing the corporate ladder or being successful financially are sinful. And not that being discouraged or not wanting to go to work is sinful. But, but we as Christians, as representatives, are shaped by purpose. Another example I'll give you. Um, I don't think any of them are in here, but like take the example of law enforcement. Okay, the tangible, practical way of exercising justice from people that are just serving themselves at the defeat of others. Okay, and bringing to the table, pushing back darkness in the world. Okay, it's very tangible. Okay, that shapes not only the purpose that we have every day, but even how we think about our relationship with God. That it's not just about my relationship with God, then I, then I go to work. But no, you represent the king in the, the kingdom of God. Maybe you're single. And the difficult identity of wanting to identify with a spouse or identify with someone. Okay? The, the scriptures, Paul would argue that you're better off because <laughs> I'm distracted by a wife and kids. That's how Paul puts it. But for us, think about it from the standpoint of this. You have the opportunity to leverage your time to serve the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And depict the ultimate picture of contentment in Christ. Maybe you're a parent. The whole idea that kids are a nuisance, that kids are annoying, and they are at times, we'll be honest. I'm not going to say they're not. Um, and just want to, you know, get them out of the way. But no, listen, as a parent, there's no greater calling than raising up representatives of God. Okay? That takes, it's in a lifetime investment to raise them up, the next generation. Okay, listen. So here's my question that I want you to take away with. What are you doing with your keys to the kingdom? If you're a Christian today, the Bible says he's given you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And you have authority. And his caution, found in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, is his caution to the scribes and the Pharisees that say, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. When we live just in our covenant relationship with God, we're shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. So you have authority to represent the king and the kingdom of God. How are you using that? Or will you use your keys to live in that authority and live in that power? to advance the kingdom of God as you represent him. Let's pray. Father, I ask this morning that you would remind us of the identity that we have, remind us that out of that identity flows the ability to walk in power, the ability to stand in authority. 
Father, forgive us for being people that focus just on us, just on our walk with you, just on your love for us, but take us deeper into a holistic view of the kingdom. Take us deeper into a holistic view of of intimacy with you through prayer. Father, I ask that even now as we respond to the Lord, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would shape us to do the very things you want to do. Pray in Christ's name, amen.